Good evening to you all and welcome to the Salvation Meeting here on Fortress Radio on this very special Palm Sunday. Hosanna! Thank you to the Norwich Citadel Band for getting us all into the swing of Palm Sunday there with Swing Hosanna. Well, let's sing that song together, shall we? I'm sure you all want to after hearing that. It's number 362 in our songbook, and I don't know about you, but it's a song that I can remember singing at the army and at school. I can even recall in Sunday school in Torquay we had a few extra verses one of which my core officer mum put a stop to until we children had gone to her and proved that we knew what give me unction in my gumption let me function actually meant. <laughs> Spoil sport. Anyway, palm branches at the ready, let's sing this together. Sing Hosanna.
has Lent been for you this year? Do you even observe Lent? I don't think I did particularly for many years, although in our house we always had pancakes on Pancake Day. Yes, it always was Pancake Day and never Shrove Tuesday. I think I was probably about 30 before I even knew what being shriven meant. But it's only been in the last 20 years or so, I think, that we and the Salvation Army have caught up a bit with what Lent is all about. We now tend to try to give something up. Various people I know have given up full sugar Coca-Cola, chips, meat, cakes and puddings on the food side. Others I know have used the time to quit smoking, give Facebook a rest. Oh, and lots more I expect that I haven't heard about. This year, Sarah and I have been using the book that the Salvation Army produced to help us through Lent. Readings following the last few weeks of Jesus' ministry here on earth, leading up to Good Friday. I found the readings quite useful, but I've often wondered why the song that was chosen to go with each day's reading hasn't particularly, or even at all, matched the reading. But it's been nice to think about, and I did start to write a poem each day about my Lenten journey. I reflected on this after about a week and realised that the poems I was coming up with didn't seem to be particularly inspired. Nor did they seem to be helping others when I shared them, and, and so I stopped. Maybe I should have persevered a little longer. Well, we have a meeting next Thursday at Lincoln where our core folk are going to get together and discuss what we've all benefited from through our own individual Lenten journeys. And I'm sure that will be quite enlightening. As we pray together now, I want us to think about the cross and all that it means to us. We're going to listen to a beautiful setting by my friend Kenneth Downey of the song Here at the Cross. And I encourage you to have your own private, silent vigil at the cross as we listen. If you need to follow the words of the song as the International Staff Band plays, you'll find them as number 646. Words written by Bramwell Coles, someone, of course, who's far better known to us for the music he wrote than his poetry. But what a gem he gave us in this song. Silent Vigil
How can I better serve thee, Lord, thou who hast done so much for me? Faltering and weak my labour has been, oh, that my life may tell for thee. Here, at the cross in this sacred hour, here, at the source of reviving power, helpless indeed, I come with my need. Lord, for your service, fit me, I plead. O Lord, accept the offering of our lives, our hearts to you tonight. Make us fit to be your dwelling, and as we just sang together, make us fit for your service, that we may be your representative to everyone we meet, bringing them closer to you, and hopefully leading them into the light of your presence and your love in their own lives. Lord, we bring our hosannas to you on this Palm Sunday. Let the praises of our hearts not be empty ones, but heartfelt paeans of praise right from our hearts, straight to the Lord of our lives. Be with us during this holy week as we reflect on your sacrifice for us. When you, the Lamb of God, shed your own blood in the sacrifice to end all sacrifices that the blood of the Lamb shed on Calvary can wash away our sins and the sins of all mankind, then, now, and for all time. Accept our praise, Lord. Amen. A more modern song that's been a more than welcome addition to our songbook over the last 30 years or so has been Hosanna in the Highest by Carl Tuttle. We had it firstly in our scripture-based songs series and more recently as number 366 in our songbook. So let's enjoy that song together now. Hosanna in the Highest. <laughs> Our song from the children today is a real old favourite, one of those songs of childhood that never leaves us. Tell Me the Stories of Jesus, a song by William Henry Parker, is still in our current songbook, it's number 151, and it's sung beautifully for us here by the Sunbury Junior Singers 
under the direction of the wonderful Major Joy Webb. Tell me the stories of Jesus. Bible reading today is taken from Luke chapter 19, verses 29 to 40, and it's titled, Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as King. As Jesus approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. 
When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. It's great to hear about that praise, and, and I love the idea of the stones crying out in praise if people were forced to be quiet. Well, it's time now for another great song of praise. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. It's number 631. I had to do a little bit of research to find a recording of this song that was anything like complete. And so we've got a composite recording to sing along with here tonight. We get two verses from a Butlin's Holiday with Fellowship week, led by the inimitable Norman Bearcroft. And the missing verse is given to us by the Soweto Songsters from South Africa. Praise him. to hear now from Sylvie Palladino and the Melbourne Staff Band. What a great blessing their recordings together are. 
And who can forget the excitement and the infectious joy that was shared if you ever got to see them perform together? This is Hosanna. if you can remember the first time you ever encountered a donkey. 
I'm pretty sure my own first encounter was on a beach. Seeing those slow grey beasts tread up and down the sand with a variety of little children on their backs. Were they looking just a little gloomy, I have to ask? Well, talking about gloomy, for some of you it might have been Eeyore himself, erstwhile resident of the Hundred Acre Wood in the wonderful tales of Winnie the Pooh. Well, that Eeyore really is a gloomy old soul, isn't he? With his deep, sad voice, Nobody cares about me. I've lost my tail again. <laughs> Wonderful memories of childhood. Well, actually, I have a three-year-old at home who's obsessed with Winnie the Pooh. And so, whenever I come home, Eeyore's very likely to be sat in my seat or lying on my bed when I get there. Maybe she even equates Eeyore with her grumpy old daddy. <laughs> I don't know. My wife Sarah tells me the first time she met a donkey was on a visit with the Brownies to a donkey sanctuary near Exeter. She was the bravest of the girls there that day and offered to feed one of the donkeys. She remembers being given clear instructions to keep her hand flat or the donkey might nibble her fingers, but... When she held out her hand with some food on it, he bit her anyway. <laughs> no wonder she didn't forget that meeting. For some of our younger listeners, you may be more acquainted with a different cartoon donkey from old Eeyore. For a donkey played a leading role in the Shrek films from a decade or two ago. And Eddie Murphy's wise-cracking sidekick to the eponymous ogre was a very lovable creature full of jokes and a bit of nonsense, proud of being a talking donkey, or even at one point, a flying talking donkey. Well, one way or another, donkeys are very much part of our culture. But often, in a rather slow, dreary, drudgery kind of way. We see them sometimes needing to be coaxed by a carrot on a stick. Sometimes, in more dated films, sadly needing a bit of a kick to get them going. I also recall a few famous football players over the years being referred to as donkeys, especially if they put in a rather laboursome, less-than-silky performance at times. I can even remember a picture on the back of a newspaper of an England captain with added donkey ears, painting that picture for everyone to see. Sadly... All these years later, whenever I hear or see the name of that player, one of the first things that I ever think of is donkey. The donkey, then, has developed in our culture into a bit of a creature of ridicule. Pleasant enough, but just not strong like a lion, cuddly like a pussycat, fast and sleek like a gazelle, funny like a monkey, our dear old donkey's always the same. Slow, cumbersome, a bit stubborn and, yes, often a little grumpy. The great writer G.K. Chesterton summed up the donkey perfectly in his poem, and that's one that I remember clearly studying in school when I was about nine years old. When fishes flew and forests walked and figs grew up on thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. 
with monstrous head and sickening cry and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody on all four-footed things. The tattered outlaw of the earth, of ancient crooked will, starve, scourge, deride me, I am dumb. I keep my secret still. Yes, it's that secret that's what's important for us today. For in the final verse of that poem, Chesterton reveals that secret. The secret of how the King of Kings rode on his humble back on the day he was acclaimed as the Messiah by the Jewish people. In that wonderful Palm Sunday story. For that last verse says, Fools! For I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout about my ears, and palms before my feet. What a thrill that must have been for our humble donkey, to share in the glory of God's own Son, to be cheered into the city, waved on with palms, like some mighty stallion beneath a heroic soldier. And as a child, that was all I understood. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey on Palm Sunday. I accepted it as a story, and it had no more significance than that, as far as I knew. But... As I grew in my faith and understanding of the Bible, I gradually realised there was so much more to it than just a simple story. Here was a fulfilment of Old Testament prophecy indeed. When Zechariah wrote, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion! Shout, daughter Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah was prophesying this very moment, and all those hundreds of years had passed, and here was Jesus fulfilling his ancient words. Can you imagine how amazing that is? Another Old Testament prophet from Numbers tells us how a cult on which no one has ever sat is therefore adopted for sacred use. Well, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem is further referred to in other religious writings of the times as well. The books of the Maccabees didn't quite make it into our accepted Bible, but you often find them in some translations that include the Apocrypha. And there's lots of very interesting reading in the Apocrypha, if you ever have the time to study it. There we read that the waving of palm branches foretold the long-awaited celebration of Jewish liberation. Well, Jesus had indeed come to set his people free. So why else should it have been a donkey? Well, traditionally at that time, entering a city on a donkey rather than a grand war horse was seen as a sign of peace, that the rider came in peace and had only peace in mind. How fitting for the Jesus that we know and love as the Prince of Peace. And yet, there's more. Did you know the significance of Jesus riding into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives? Why did he ride in that particular direction? Well, 
we know that the Jews celebrated the Passover. That final plague on the Egyptians from way back in the days of Moses, when the angel of death passed over every home, taking the lives of the firstborn. Only those houses that were covered by the blood of the Lamb were saved. And so they celebrated each year with a fresh sacrifice of the Paschal Lamb. And do you know where the Paschal Lambs came from? Oh yes, it was the Mount of Olives. Jesus had tried telling the disciples so many times. It wasn't until this last couple of years that I realised just how many times he had tried to tell them as clearly as he could who he was and what was going to happen to him. That he was in God and God was in him. Anyone who came to him came to God and there was then and still is today no other way to achieve that aim. Jesus knew that he was the Lamb of God, that he was to be the once and for all sacrifice to end all sacrifices. From that day forward there would be no more need for any more sacrifices. Jesus was opening the door to God. You didn't even need sacrifices for sin, because Jesus' sacrifice removed that need and allowed the forgiveness of sins through simple repentance and acceptance of him. What a world-changing thing that was. Oh yes, Jesus knew that he was going to Jerusalem to die. And he knew that he must be risen from the dead into his full glory. There must be, at a rough guess, at least ten times that Jesus tried to tell his own disciples this. But they never, ever got it. Right up to when it happened, and in their despair at what they seriously believed was the very end of their story together, they fled and scattered and denied and failed in just about every other way imaginable. Remember, it was the ladies who had to discover his resurrection and go tell the disciples, wherever they were and whatever they were doing, the wonderful news of Jesus' resurrection. I do hope, my friends, that you have accepted Christ's gift. Have you allowed his sacrifice to open the gates of heaven for you? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb?
my friends, accept Christ's gift of salvation to you right now. May each of us be washed in your blood, set free from the power of sin. Lord, for thy service fit us, we plead. Amen. Isn't it wonderful how some songs can work both when sung with gusto and joy and also in devotional, special and prayerful interpretations? That last song is, of course, exactly one of those. And so I end this evening with that same song. But this time, as it was presented in the Gowans and Larson musical Blood of the Lamb. It's number 421. Let's enjoy this song together right now. And whatever you do this week, stay near to Jesus. Think on his sacrifice and accept his gift of eternal life to you, to me, and to this whole world. God bless you all.
And now may the grace, peace and heaven's richest and choicest blessings be with us and remain with us now and forever. Amen.